0: Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. I have a brand new guest on. Her name is Deborah Hunter. She is speaking on behalf of her son. She is a parent advocate. She works for the Coalition of Institute for the Aged and Disabled since 2018. And that's subcontracted by the Department of Health. As I said, she's speaking on behalf of her son. With the CPS family court nightmare from hell, and what this what this family has been through, and what this father has been through, has been absolutely egregious. And I welcome you, Deborah. You know um, where are you at, and
1: how how did all this happen? Thank you, thank you for having me, Marianne. I appreciate it. Well. Um... It starts with two people meeting each other um, through Instagram,
2: over the phone conversations, um, finding out that they had a lot of things in common, Alicia being a human rights activist, my son as well. Uh, They did several podcasts together um, with other um, members. And uh, they found they had a lot in common uh both of them are victims of domestic
1: uh abuse mm-hmm. and so alicia was trying to find a way to get out of her
2: narcissistic relationship so her and my son pardon me about that that's okay. her and, um as I said, met over the phone and they decided that, okay, this sounds good. We're gonna meet up with each other. So he went to Oklahoma to help her uh, because he understands how important it is to be able to get out of a a domestic relationship uh, that's not healthy and especially when you have children.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, July of 2020, he flew out to Oklahoma. They met, he met their children, her children and it was just instant. And it was like, for me, I had a daughter. It's like I had twins. She's the opposite of Todd, Todd's the opposite of her. She thinks that he says it, he would say it, she thought it. I mean, they were so much alike mm-hmm. and so much in love with each other. Her children grew to love Todd. And my grandchildren, Todd's children, um, you know, loved her as well. Uh, so, come November, December. So when they left, they came to see me in uh, October of 2020, and it was just, you know, I've been telling Todd for the longest time. Listen, I need a baby. Mm-hmm warrior or teenagers now I need a little person to you know keep me going keep me alive Mm -hmm. I haven't found the right person yet you know so that's how and then here comes Alicia so as I say yours mine and ours it because it became hers his and then of course the baby later on and I said be careful what you ask for because you just may get it because I asked for a baby and I got seven. So it was wonderful for them to come to see me, spent seven days with me. I get, got to know all the children. Uh, we had a great time. And then they all left with my grandson and uh, off to North Carolina to pick up her two older boys from her, mom, her estranged mother's house, Juanita Lee. Um, she got the children, a little bit of a struggle. And as they moved on, they had purchased uh, land in vast North Carolina, beautiful land, which they had to do the work themselves. They were clearing the land. They had a plan as to how they wanted to set up the land. They were going to the uh, grow their own fruits and vegetables. Um, they were going to install their own uh, well water on the land. They had pine trees on the land. They had. Uh, uh, pine trees to do, uh, to make so uh, pine saw, you know, to make a business, because that was going to be part of their business, to do the pine straw business, excuse me, stuttering a little bit, That's and, uh, you know, they had a plan, and so, um, Alicia, I also want to say, as uh, her being a human rights activist, she also started the North Carolina uh, Hip Hop Festival in 2018, Which was a success. So they also had a plan to continue on with that. Um, They both had a five year plan. They had a plan for the next five years for their lives.
1: Uh, Somewhere in December, I wanna say December 2nd, um, DHS workers
2: came on the land uh, saying that they received a, a report, a referral saying that uh, the children weren't safe. They didn't have the proper documents, so they had to come back the next day. When they came back the next day, they came back with documents. Um, That's also on video on YouTube. Um, And they came back with police officers with rifles. And the little ones were saying, oh my goodness, such big guns you have. And they were all in their home with these guns and walking around the property and uh, the DHS workers asking the children, are, do you feel safe here? Are you okay here? And each and every one of them said, we are okay and we're safe. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, why do we have to leave if we feel safe? Anyway, they took the children away. They were gone for seven days. Um, the person that Alicia had elected for them to go to, her cousin, they didn't take them there. They took them, them to her mother, the person that made the referral. And, you know, in the in the in the video, you can hear the DH worker talking about her mother in the video. Okay, so now the children are gone. They arrest my son. Alicia's on the land alone. She contacted me and I says okay let me see what I can do to help. Uh, we finally got a um, bonds person that was able to uh, bond tied out that later that evening and uh, so he could go back home and the process of all that happening they had to be in court the next day and the DH worker took her keys. So therefore they had no way to drive there to the courthouse to be on time. So I had to call a locksmith to come and unlock the doors so they could you know, be at court on time the next morning. So they went to court to make the story short. They went to court, her uh, husband showed up um, and they won their case. The judge ordered for my grandson to go back to his father and Alicia's seven children to go back to her. They were supposed to set up uh, a meet and greet because the Alicia's mother did not want them coming to the home. Well, the meet and greet was never set up. So by the time Alicia and Ty got to her mother's house, the husband had gone there and picked up the children, his five, the Vic five, and took them to Oklahoma. And that's where the nightmare continues. So somewhere in the, maybe two weeks after uh, December 2nd, she called me and she said, Mom, I want to go get my kids. I said, do what you have to do. I will support you. So mm-hmm. off to the home they came, We had a court order in tow, and when they got here, and what we thought was going to be maybe two days in front of a judge or getting police escort for her to get her children and go back to their home in Vast, North Carolina, has turned out to be two years. And in the process of that happening, uh, just a lot of stress and a lot of uh, trauma for Alicia. Um, back and forth with the courts, back and forth with the courts, everything was denied, was denied, was denied. Um, they didn't allow Todd to stand with her in the court in the, you know, in the courtroom at the lectern because you're always allowed to have a support person there if you don't have an attorney. And so they didn't want Todd there speaking with her. So they made him sit down. Um I was at one of those court um hearings that they had it was horrific. I just couldn't believe the 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 way
1: that the public is treated in that courthouse. So I come back home um I get a call to come back uh,
2: to Oklahoma because um, my grandson had been traumatized from all of this. And then we found out that Alicia was pregnant and we just thought maybe it'd be better that Corey comes and stays with me. Mm I went to Oklahoma and she was so radiant. She was so beautiful. She was glowing. And I didn't know that she was pregnant at the
1: time. That was in July mm-hmm. of 2021, but uh, she just looked different, happy. Mm-hmm. And so came back home,
2: uh, talking to them every day. And I want to say that when Alicia got sick somewhere in November of 2021, her left leg had swollen up so bad. She had stopped walking. And I told her, I said, listen, you need to go to the doctor and get that checked out. It could be something serious. You are pregnant. We don't want any complications with you having the baby. And when she did finally go to the doctor and they traveled from where they were staying in Stillwater to Oklahoma City to Mercy Hospital, which is an hour away, uh, she found out that she had a blood clot in her leg that was I don't know, more than an inch long, maybe two inches long. I don't know. It's the longest thing I've ever seen. Uh, they pulled out, operated, and pulled out of her leg. So after that happened, it was a that took place for her with blood clots started forming all over her body. Um, then she had a lot of fluid, they found out inside of her stomach and which we thought was all baby come to find out that it was, um, access fluid from the, uh, swollen omentum, which covers your digestive tract. Mm So fluid, and when they drained the fluid, we saw this mass sitting there on the right side of her stomach. And I'm watching all of this as they were doing this with her. And I'm like, what is that on her stomach? And I, the doctors are like, well, we don't know. So they did biopsies. They did a lot of biopsies, a lot of tests and everything. And it came back that she had uh, metastatic mucosis uh, endocarcinoma. So from that point on, Alicia you know, was sick and she was in a lot of pain and Todd was there with her every day, um, you know, helping her. They're reading a friend of mine who uh, does uh, holistic um, uh, herbs was helping her uh, trying to find out which uh, herb would be best with all the narcotics that they were giving her because she was on like five different drugs for pain. And it was, she's, hundred pounds, not even a hundred pounds. So it's just eating away at her. There's no fatty tissue. There's no meat or anything to sustain this, uh, these drugs that she was taking. Uh, anyway, uh, we were concerned about the baby. The baby was doing well. Um, they had gone to the NICU, uh, mm-hmm. the doctor that worked there. And they said, well, in case, you know, your baby has to come up here. This is what the NICU looks like. Gave them a tour this is what happens when the baby comes to the NICU, if that should happen. Um, We knew that the baby would have to come early. We were hoping that we could get to 36 weeks, but she just wasn't strong enough to get to 36 weeks. So they had to take four weeks.
1: Um, and he was a little teeny thing, but he was the cutest thing and just smiling the whole time. And um, it was just, it was just terrible. So, um, they stayed in the hospital a little bit longer. She had a C-section. They stayed a little bit longer. Uh, the baby
2: was in the NICU. I called the NICU every day. I spoke to the nurses every day to see how he was progressing. Each and every day he was doing better. They explained to me that some days he would gain a little weight, some days he would lose a little weight. That's just what happens with preemies.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: um, he was on breast milk and other type of medications to keep him uh, going. As the time went on, he gained his weight. So my question was, well, when does he get to come home? Does he, does he have to go to full term like nine months or you know, how does that work? And the nurse explained to me, once he's able to walk, once he's able to take a bottle, once he's able to come out of the incubator, and hold a normal temperature. Once he's able to poop on his own and is four pounds or more, he can go home. And he passed every test. Every test that they gave him, he passed it with flying colors. Uh, When it was time for him to go home, uh, one of the nurses went to see Alicia in the room one day and she says, well, we wanna give you a prescription for Uh, neoshore similac neoshore and she was like no i want my baby to have mother's donated breast milk because she wasn't able to breastfeed and uh this nurse kept pushing this formula on her to give to her baby and she's like no i do not want this so finally um she wrote the prescription for her to have the uh uh um, the mothers donated breast milk. Um, I even called there
1: after Alicia passed on April 6 to find out what uh, what is the difference. And she explained to me what the difference is. And on this can that
2: I'm looking at, this can, this can right here, Similac NeoSure. it says on this can do not give to preemies hmm. because it's unsafe unless a doctor prescribes it. A doctor. Okay, so now I'm going a little bit ahead of myself and please forgive me. That's okay. So uh, the baby was born April, uh, excuse me, January 21st.
1: Um, came home from the hospital about the end of the beginning of March. Um
2: had to have some tests done, you know, checked out before they could go back home to Stillwater, which is the hour away. Um, after he passed all his tests and saw the doctor, Dr. Solomon, they were able to go back home. Um, Todd did most of the caring for uh miles because um, Alicia just wasn't able to do it. And then at that same time, uh, her five younger children, Uh, came to the house that week. So they were there all that week as well.
1: So uh, it was full house. It was back to yours, mine, and ours. Mm -hmm. So um, as time went on, uh, um, Alicia became weaker and
2: weaker. Um, She decided, her and Todd, well, we've done all we could do here. Let's just pack up and go home and start all over again. Uh, I'd like to go to Duke University Hospital, which is known for their cancer uh, treatment center. And she wanted to go there to see if they would be able to help her. And uh, the plan was for her to go there and Todd and the baby to come to me in New York. That was the plan. Um, We were all on a Zoom call with her family. Um, Yes, Todd did have a warrant out because um, he was on his way to pick up the crib for the baby. They stopped him um, and arrested him for driving without a license. And they had assault rifles on him. At that time, he had called, uh, late after he got out, he called um, the judge to ask if he could get an extension or a continuance because you're allowed to have three continuances um from your original court date and the judge told Todd, no you come in or we'll put a warrant out for your arrest so leave her in the hospital by herself uh, because she was being harassed every day by some of the nurses there we had to change nurses we had to change doctors i mean i have all this documentation in my records so I'm not just talking off the top of my head or hearsay. I was on Zoom call with them every single day, so I know what was going on with my family. I know what was going on. So
1: they decided to come back home. Um, I guess I made the decision in with
2: speaking with her mother. Uh, you know, letting the family know that she wasn't well and what was going on with her at the time, um, because I felt as though I'm a mother, this is your daughter. I would want someone to tell me if my daughter was sick or my son was sick, possibly about to leave us, Mm -hmm. I would want to know so I can make a decision as to what I want to do. And I made that decision to call her mother. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, we, Alicia passes on April the 6th. Um, And I guess I should have come here to Oklahoma instead of going to, you know, pay my respects to her family. Uh, But I decided to go and pay my respects to her family because I know that the little ones would be looking for me and they were all happy to see me. And You know, everybody, the children, they were all happy to see each other. And I was happy to meet her grandparents because she spoke of her grandfather often. Um,
1: He was part of her raising, her grandparents. So he was an important figure in her life. So she passes April the 6th. Um,
2: I'm making my way to Oklahoma. But before I could get here on April the 20th I'm on the phone with my son earlier that day and he's showing me miles and he's feeding him and he's cooing and doing everything that babies do. Um, He's looking at the phone as I'm talking to him because I talk to him every day since he's been on his earth and even in her stomach I talk to him then Mm -hmm. and so He says, Ma, he says, a strange car sitting out in front of the house. And I says, well, Mm -hmm. just stay inside. Don't go out. I said, you have everything you need? He says, yeah, I got milk. Got milk. Okay, good. So later on that afternoon, um, he says, there's some more cars uh, sitting out here now. I says, "Okay, we'll just stay inside. So then it got to be later in the evening. And he calls me back again. He says, Ma, he says, um. DHS is here, uh, Amanda LeHue, uh knocking on, banging on my door, wanting to see Miles. I says, well, don't open the door. So I'm, I, I, I'm talking to this lady on the phone. She says, well, I need to lay my eyes on the child. I said, why? She said, because I need to see him. I said, but why? She said, because I have a referral. I said, well, from who? She says, well, I can't tell you that. She says, I have a referral. We have a concern about the baby. I said, what kind of concern can you possibly have? I said, well, let, her, let my son just put him to the window. <laughs> you know, if you got to yeah. see him that bad, she says, I actually have to see him. Now it's nighttime. It's 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night out here. They're at the door, police at the door. So she leaves. She says, that's okay. If he doesn't let me in, I'll get a way to go in. So they leave. And when she comes back, She comes back with a SWAT team. These officers have, uh, we have the body cam footage. These people have assault rifles. It's like five or six of them. You're talking about a man with a brand new baby in his home, living his life, grieving, and you come to his home with this. Nobody ever called Todd and Alicia after she left the hospital to see if they were all right. Nobody called Todd after Alicia passed away to say, Todd, do you need anything, man? Can we help you with anything? Nobody called to see if these young people needed any help. Mm
1: -hmm. Nobody. They were coming to take the child. So the... um, the
2: complex housing manager where they lived made a uh, referral that she saw the baby not moving. Now, I don't know how she could see that through the glass or through the doors because the baby was with was Todd all the time. So I don't know how she could possibly see that. Um, when Amanda Hugh finally came in, busted into the house and I'm on the phone, with my son and I said, well, listen, don't let them bust your door down because if they bust your door down, it could be a lot of confusion. Somebody could get shot. The baby can get hurt. I said, just unlock the door so they can come in. Mm-hmm. This
1: way you can still stay secure. And for a parent to hear this, over the phone and there's nothing that you can do to help
2: absolutely nothing that you can do to help is horrible
1: it's the worst thing that i have ever experienced that i can think of right now
2: so stuffle 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 my son is saying please don't hurt my son please don't hurt my son and um there's plenty of body cam footage. Some of the officers say, well, what are we doing here? And she's, Amanda, you can't claim that there, there was no, no, nothing for the baby to eat in the house. There was no milk. When I called um, the Mother's Breast Milk Foundation, this child has prescriptions now. And then I learned uh, after the baby had gone to foster care And um, I had my friends and everybody I know write letters to Judge Corley asking him to give my son, my grandson, back to his father. And I asked him to please take him off of this neo shore that he put him on, because once he put him on this, this powdered milk, he lost his hair, he had scabs on top of his head, his toes
1: swell up. Um, he got respiratory infection, he
2: developed bronchitis, he developed, um, what do you call it, um, Mm torticollis, torticollis, which is the twisting of the head and the neck. He had an acute posterior, I can't even say this word, I'll spell it P L A G L O C E P H L P H A L Y, which is the soft spot uh, in the baby's head, uh, in his skull, in the back of his head. And then he had um, fluid
1: in his ears. So, on December the eighteenth, he had to have um, tubes put in his ears. Bilateral ring 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 myotomy uh, placement of tubes in each ear.
2: So on October twentieth, October twentieth, my son they took his visits away from every week to every other week. They increase the hours from one hour every week to now an hour and a half every two weeks. What type of bonding with someone is that, with your only child? The child has one parent whom he's got to know since he took his first breath. And now these people have taken him from him, put him in foster care. He's in the care of this young lady. I won't mention her name. And that on October 20th, he had a visit with Miles and he had a gash on the left side of his face, the left side of his, excuse me, left side of his temple, the left side of his jaw was swollen and had bruises on it. The left side of his lip was swollen and he had this horrific diaper rash. It looked like something had been biting at him. His right testicle was swollen. And I filed a complaint. I mean, I had to really think about this thing. And I filed a complaint with the, uh, the DHS Department of uh, the hotline on October 31st. That was my first complaint I filed against this foster care mother. And I asked for her to be, the for Miles to be removed from her care. They told me they couldn't do that. So... We went on, I came out here November the 2nd because my son had a court date, November the 3rd. And I was here for that court date, Um, at which time the judge did allow me to speak. I introduced myself as to being Miles' grandmother, Todd's mother, and um, you've illegally kidnapped my grandson. Why? The charge was neglect, um,
1: failure to thrive, um, because my son was giving his son donated mother's breast milk and pureed fruit. Just you take a little bit, put it on the tongue, on on the palate of his tongue. And um, a little bit of coconut oil because coconut oil increases um, the weight, Mm -hmm.
2: helps increase the baby's weight. And since he was creamy, we wanted him to be healthy. He had the most beautiful golden skin, like I said, head full of hair until he got in the hands of these people. So once I wrote my letter to Judge Corley and I asked him to please take him off of this breast milk this um formula because it states that it's not for preemies so he decided well I'll keep him on the formula and I'll put him back on the uh donated uh mother's breast milk but I don't know what the portion is that he put him on so how do I know that he's even getting it at all Mm -hmm. so whenever Todd would go for his visit they would bring this bottle with this formula in it and Todd wouldn't give it to him because it is not what he and Alicia wanted for their baby. All of her children, all of their children have been breastfed. Mm-hmm. So why would you put your child on something that's not healthy for you? So now Judge Corley becomes a doctor mm-hmm. because I thought a doctor is the only person that sign off on something like this. So now he's a judge. Now he's a doctor. Amanda LeHue, when she went to um, make her court order to have
1: uh, Miles removed from the home, she had already
2: made up these things about the baby before she got the order from Judge Corley
1: to take the baby from Todd, so I thought the order supposed to come first,
2: and then you find out whatever's going on, and then and then you write the order. Mm-hmm. So now he's because he signed off, he
1: notarized her document. So now he's a judge, he's a notary,
2: and um, he's a doctor. And then he also signed off on the birth certificate, so now
1: he's my grandson's father. How do you do these things? But they don't follow their statute here. I have documents where Department of DHS
2: and the state of Payne County and Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, they have statutes and laws. They take oaths. That they are to follow, and they are not following them, Mm -hmm. not at all. And I'm a witness. So that was October 20th. Todd had that incident. So on December the 3rd, excuse me, November the 3rd, when we went to court, and that was a visitation day. That was the very first day I got to see and hold my grandson for the first time. And he was so sick. He was so sick, breathing like this. And you just hear his little chest in and out, in and out, and you can hear the wheezing green snot in his nose, uh crusty, you know, snot in his nose, um, skin dry, toes swollen, toe jam in between his toes. And so on that visit, uh Todd does a a uh diaper change and here we go with
1: another diaper rash. And I'm like, well, oh,
2: what is going on with the diaper rash? So, uh, excuse me, that was uh, excuse me, that was November the 17th, because as I said, it was every other week. So November the 17th, we we'll go back, he's got this horrific diaper rash again. So <sighs> I file another group with DHS about that. I want my grandson to be removed from this lady's care. Nothing happens. So I decided to file a motion for necessary custody. I wrote it out. Um, I listed all the uh, uh, diagnoses from the medical professionals um, I had it notarized and I went to Judge Corley with my letter to him and he notarized it and he gave me a date. Um, well, he signed up for one and he gave me a court date to appear uh on December the first. So I went to my hearing. Um when the uh, November the 3rd happened, that court date, and I stood up to speak. Uh, Ms. Brenda Nip, who represents the the other side, uh, didn't want me in the courtroom. She says, I'm not a party to the party. I have nothing to do with the court. Um, Didn't even want me in the courtroom. Why is she here? And anyway, Judge Corley let me say what I had to say. Um, He gave me a hearing on December the 1st to come back for my motion for necessary custody. Um, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how to research things like she does. So I did the best that I could, but I didn't have all my documents ready. So I asked for a continuance. He did give me a continuance to December the 13th, but he knew on December the 1st that he was going to dismiss my case on the 13th. So when December 13th came about, he dismissed my case. I couldn't even say anything. My son had to do all the talking. So I couldn't even say what needed was needed to be said because they know I know the truth. Mm -hmm. They know that I know that they're lying.
1: And they didn't want to hear that. But they're going to hear it now. Because I have everything documented from the time that baby
2: took his first breath out of coming out of from the time they took him from my grandson. Excuse me, from my son. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's a hurtful thing. So I had to file another complaint um, with uh,
2: DHS when we went to visit Miles on Let's see, Christmas week. I asked to see him Christmas week. He said I couldn't see him Christmas week. And the next time we saw him was December 29th. And on December 29th, um, at the visitation and Todd always changes his diaper or I will change his diaper. Um, We record everything. And when he was very agitated at that meeting. Mm-hmm. He was, didn't want to be bought, whatever we tried to do to, you know, to comfort him, it wasn't working. So I says, well, maybe he needs a diaper change. So Todd
1: went and opened up that diaper and he had a cut, an open wound that was bleeding.
2: Like somebody cut him or like somebody bit him. Just this one place. Mm-hmm down on his buttock underneath his, uh, his private, his genitals. And so each and every time that we've reported something wrong with Miles, mm-hmm. we've had the uh, DHS worker come in, take pictures, uh, mm-hmm. make documentation of everything, as well as I have pictures. Uh, I should say, Todd and I have pictures. Um, and I'm asking, well, why can't this child be removed? So at this last visit, the supervisor was there. Because uh, Mr. Rose, who is the caseworker, was was not available, so I asked her. I says, "Can you please tell me why, since the very beginning that this child has been in this
1: lady's care, why have you not been able to remove him from her care?" I
2: asked that. What she told me? Well, this is not the time to discuss that we have to set up a time uh, when Andy comes back, we'll set up a time and we can explain all that to you then. So of course she left the meeting or she left the office before our visitation was over. So I didn't get to ask her, well, when are we gonna set up this meeting? Mm -hmm. Because I have so many questions. So once again, I file another report
1: on December 29th to the hotline about neglect, because she doesn't comb oil
2: his hair, his skin is dry, toe jam, dirty toenails. And then this time he had a a scratch on the right side of his face, like somebody scratched him. He had a scratch on the top of his forehead. I mean, what's going on at this lady's house? Does she have pets? The very first picture that I received when uh, the first caseworker Uh, was involved, uh, Miss Whitehead, and I said to her, I says, well, when do I get to see my grandchild? What's going on? Well, when I make my visit, I'll send you a picture. The picture she sent me was Miles laying on some shag rug carpet, no blanket, no towel, no sheet, no paper towel, no toilet paper, no nothing laying under him, just laying on a nasty carpet. I'm like, what kind of pictures is this that you send to somebody? But yet, Ms. Juanita Lee, the uh, maternal grandmother, she sent me pictures. He's in a, one of those little things that they lay them in. You lay the baby in. Bassinet. Um, he's got a... Uh, pardon me?
0: Bassinet. Pardon me? Bassinet. Who's laying in it's a not bassinet?
2: Not a bassinet. It's a little chair. Oh, you know, okay. it's a little chair that you can sit on the table.
1: I don't know what you
2: call it anymore. You know, it's been a long time since I yeah. had a baby.
1: <laughs> um, the baby
2: sit-in because we had it for Corey and Azaria. You know, we fed them. You can put them in it. You can feed them in it, and just sit them there so you can watch them. Put it on the floor, whatever. But it can sit on the table if you want to feed them in it. Um, so he was sitting in that, and I'm like, well, and I call her. I said, well, how did you get these pictures? I texted her and I said, how did, how did you get these pictures? And she says, well, I got them from the DH worker. So when I called the DHS worker back and I asked her, I says, well, how does Ms. Lee have these pictures? And I don't have these pictures. So she didn't answer me. But Ms. Lee told me, well, I can't answer those questions for you. You'll have to get in touch with Amanda LaHue, who is this person It's a nightmare since the beginning of this Oklahoma business this whole time. So you know, I'm just so disturbed. I'm so disturbed um, with everything. So my case got dismissed on the 13th. As I said, I didn't get to speak, couldn't say a word. Um, the Miss Nip, the district attorney, uh, kept referring to me as she, she, she. This mm-hmm. lady knows my name. She's been knowing my name since the very beginning. Um, I filled out kinship papers
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because I was told that that's what i in order to get, you know, temporary or shared custody with my grandson. So that's what I did. But then it was like, well, why'd you wait so long? Well, I'm doing what I'm told to do by you, your office. So what am I supposed to do? So how long is this going to take? Because I happen to know
1: that the other side of the family has filled out kinship papers for miles. So,
3: Are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Um, they have to do a home visit at your place first. And then as uh, all this back and forth, just give miles to his father so they can come home. This is not our home. We don't mm-hmm. live in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. This is racist. These people are racist out here. I've met a couple of nice people. Don't get me wrong. I've met some nice people, but these people in that courthouse, is horrible. They're mean. They talk to you, the judge yells at my son. His father's been dead for two years now. Mm-hmm. Since he's became his father, to be yelling at him. I don't even yell at him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's a whole
1: horrific, horrific scene. So um, I'm asking for a prayer. We're asking for
2: help. Um, I did an interview, I believe it was September the 12th last year with Robbie Robertson for the Oklahoma Post, uh, in which Mr. Robertson told the whole story from um, everything that happened to them in North Carolina. Um, He has video footage of some of that, uh, as well as... um, His interview with Todd here on September 12th. So I really would like to thank him so very much for
1: that um, because he did a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful article. It was a Mm -hmm. wonderful. So we go to court on the 5th and um, I don't know, my son's not giving up his, his rights to his child. He hasn't given them up and he's not going to give them up. And he feels as though they're
2: trying to keep him here by making him get a job. He doesn't live here by making him get housing. He doesn't live here. Anything to keep the money flowing through DHS, through the foster care system. And if he goes any place else,
1: then to me, that's trafficking. Mm-hmm. So the money continues to flow through another state. This has got to stop. Mary Ann, this has got to stop. Somebody's got to speak out. And if it takes me. Mm -hmm.
3: They
0: should have just given him this baby back to the father where he belongs
1: yes i mean what was horrible about doing that if they felt something was wrong okay well
2: mr hunter this is what we we've heard let's see what's going on let's make an appointment not just take the man's child from him Mm -hmm. my son woke up one day went to bed one night and woke up the next day and everything that he knew in his life good went rotten Mm -hmm. was How do you comfort someone that just lost the love of their life? I don't know how to do it. I've never lost the love of my life. How do you comfort someone that just had their baby snatched from their arms? I don't know how to do that. It's never happened to me. So, for people that have this to say and that to say about the situation, fine, you're entitled to your opinion. But until you've lived the life that Alicia, and I'm starting with Alicia, the horrific time that she had with her estranged mother all throughout this process up until her passing up until her going home up until my son asking them to just wet her lips with some water mm-hmm. she was transitioning at that time mm-hmm. just give water to her lips mm-hmm. they wouldn't
1: she asked to go to her land please take me to my land please take me to my home that I purchased. She asked her brother to do that. And he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. the things that she asked for, they didn't do. But they sure came and took, took, took
2: the grandbaby. Mm-hmm. So this
0: baby is with the other grandmother right now?
1: Well, no, the baby is in foster care. Foster care, okay. And I'm like, I haven't spoken to her since all of this has happened because I feel like it's evil. Mm-hmm. It's evil. It is. It is. And I didn't go to meet them
2: for evil. I went to them to bring love, hugs,
1: and kisses, and to meet the family the other side of miles family because we have one common bond and that's miles and my son would
2: never keep him from that side of the family that's not what we do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He needs to be with his father that's his only parent mm-hmm. nobody else
1: knows him. nobody else knows him but his father and me they don't know him they don't spend time with him well, so, the ul-
0: ulterior motive is to keep the money going through the foster care system, the human yeah. trafficking.
1: That's exactly what it is. And that's what they do here. And I, I've, I've heard too many horror stories. Oh, too many, too many.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just not right. It's just not right. And, and,
2: and people need to be able to stand up and stand up against. DHS is an agency that was developed through I don't know who. It was basically, I think, in the beginning to actually help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a job. What about the children that are really being abused, beaten up? Like, what's going on with my grandson right now? Why aren't you running over there and taking care of that?
1: But because somebody makes a false accusation, for a second time. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. So, mm. it's a lot. It's a lot. I am so sorry. I'm stressed. everybody's stressed. Mm. And so you know, Thursday is a better outcome. And when, you
2: know, we seek the lawyer. We've been taught that a lawyer at first. She's part of the association. Mm-hmm. All the and the, the judges and um, um, assistant district attorney, all these people that work in the courthouse, they're all part of the association.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like a little family's thing that they oh, belong yeah. And so and they've got their pictures posted all over
2: this, you know, and then they have the nerve to have sayings that of what Martin Luther King said. And and I'm like, how how could you do that? Because mm-hmm.
1: you're not you're
2: not being fair. You're not following the oath
1: that you swore to to uphold, to tell the truth, to be biased, to be Lawful. Mm -hmm. They're not doing any of that. Mm -mm. (laughs) The first time I went to court with them and uh,
2: there was a case going on, custody uh, case about, um,
1: what do you call it? When you have to pay the money, Mm -hmm. the parent. And the district attorney, uh, Ms. DeLacerta,
2: who was on our case, my son in Alicia's case, she had to recuse herself. Mm. She was part of that association. Uh, but anyway, she was taking care of this case. And she turned around to the gentleman who you know, was up facing the judge. And the, he had worked it out with his lawyer, whatever the payment was going to be. It had already been arranged. And she said to the judge, Um, I want you to uh, take his shoes his sneakers cost $250 and everybody in the courtroom was looking at this brother with these sneakers on like how do you know how much his sneakers
1: cost and how can you ask somebody to turn in their shoes as a payment for child support (laughs) I was like what kind of circus is this this is a kangaroo court it is it's he, didn't give,
0: he didn't give them their, his shoes, did he?
1: No, he did not.
0: <laughs> like, oh, my God.
1: I was like, oh, my goodness. I just, I couldn't believe it. That was my first time coming here and being mm. in the court. So it, it's, 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 it's just terrible.
2: Court was over one day um, before Alicia passed away. And um, court was done and, you know, okay, court's adjourned, the gavel goes down and everybody's, you know, getting themselves together, leaving out the courtroom. And my son is speaking to Alicia, but everybody's, you know, making their way out of the courtroom and the judge, he turns around, he says to, to Todd, he says, what'd you
1: say? And Todd told him what he said. And do you know he held him in contempt? You can't hold anybody in contempt of court. If court over. So I had to let him go. What was that for? Intimidation.
2: You know, and, and my son is not threatened by them. I'm telling you, Todd and Alicia, one of the most intelligent people I know, two of the most intelligent people I know, because they read the law, they know the codes, they know the statute here, they
1: read. They're readers. Mm -hmm. So they're not stepping into anything blindly. I had a lawyer tell me that had to bail my son out. He says, you know what?
2: He said, my colleagues told me that your son does a wonderful job in that courtroom all by himself. I said, yeah, he's good at what he does because he does his research, but they want him to have a lawyer one of their people, a mouthpiece. And when he had her,
1: Miss Kennedy, and when it came to the subject of this, mm-hmm. he froze. And
2: she couldn't stand up to Judge Corley and say, this is not what the parents asked for. They want donated breast milk.
1: Mm-hmm. In the pan. She couldn't do it. So Todd had to let her go. I would have let her go. But you're representing me. So
2: if you're not going to stand there and speak for me, you get in front of the judge and you scared that you're not going to get your little, you know, upgrade, promotion, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Outcast from the association. So what are you working for?
1: What are you representing your client for if you're not going to represent your client? So...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'd, I'd like to have you back on the
1: podcast to see how it goes after the fifth. I appreciate it. I will come back.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So we were trying to, you know, since I've been here, uh, I've had, I've been blocked. I've been blocked some kind of way from moving forward in my thought process and how to do things in a normal, timely way. I've been blocked from doing it. And it's just
2: up until two weeks ago, I guess somebody made some special prayer for me. It's like I woke up.
3: Mm-hmm
2: now I've been able to do things but we're at the 11th hour now and so I've been trying to write this GoFundMe page over because the original one didn't seem like everybody said it was too much so I was trying to rewrite it to make it shorter um I don't know about those things but we did happen to find an
1: attorney um um, I'd like to give a shout out to Uh, attorney Wyatt
2: McGuire because he was passing me one morning at the courthouse and young young gentleman and I liked his attire and I like to compliment men when they look nice in their their outfits and um, I said you look very nice and my spirit said call him back and I said excuse me and I said are you a lawyer and he says yes I am And he gave me his name I told him a little bit of my story and he says, well, I don't do that. That's not my field, my expertise. He says, but what I can do is reach out to some uh, colleagues that I know and give you some names. He says, you call them and see, I'm sure someone will be able to help you. So we did get uh, one attorney that was willing to help us, but he's asking 250, yeah. No, $2,500, not $250,000. Excuse me, $2,500. Mm-hmm. But who's? I don't have $2,500 in my pocket, just laying around. Uh, and
1: nobody really does.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: $2,500 to give you. And I need to have that from you in writing. You so see, you get my grandson back. I need mm-hmm. to have that from you. But, um, we didn't reach back out to him because we didn't have money.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, Who knows what might happen
2: between now and Thursday? You know, guys good all the time, performs all kind of miracles in our lives. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Excuse me. Um, I am
0: going to ask you, if people want to reach you and they have any questions, how can
1: you be reached? Uh, you can reach me uh, through my Gmail, which is Queen Scholar,
2: 1234 at gmail.com. It's spelled Q-U-E-E-N as in Nancy, S-K-O-L-A-R. That's Queen Scholar, 1234
1: at gmail.com. Or you can call me, 347-522-661. I will answer.
0: I didn't catch the last four digits because you faded out. I'm sorry. It's 347-522-6610. Two,
1: two, six, six, OK. All
0: right. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. OK slam the gavels a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms i am your host marianne Petrie, author of dismantling family court corruption why taking the kids was not enough and cry out for justice poems of truth please join us here in the very near future with deborah hunter and uh the update with her story so i thank you for speaking out deborah thank you very much
2: you're welcome thank you for having me